a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Since last Friday and the Supreme Court's ruling, uh, there's been obviously a uh, host of reactions and reactions to reactions. And as always, we want to make sure we're going past just the headlines uh, and getting to the different part of the conversation, making sure we get to the nuanced components to all of this and more important, what the path forward looks like. And really pleased to have joining us on the program, Representative Angela Romero. Uh, from the Utah State Legislature to give some perspective on how she sees it and uh, what she sees uh, in the path ahead. Uh, Representative Romero, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So as, as you've had the chance to digest just a, a little bit, to give us some perspective uh, from obviously at the Democratic side of the aisle in terms of what you think should be happening next, uh, your reaction overall, uh, and then how do we get to the different conversation when it comes to this? Yeah, I think my reaction uh, overall was just disappointment. Um, this has been a long-standing um, precedence, I guess you could say. And my, my concern is um, our trigger law went into effect. And my concern is for healthcare providers. Um, there's a second-degree felony that they could possibly be charged with. But also my concern is for rape and incest survivors that they have to go to law enforcement in order to prove that they were they were a victim of incest or sexual assault in order to receive an abortion. And my concern is just for anyone who um, who carries a child and for some reason can't complete that pregnancy. Um, my concern is for them that they, um, especially for marginalized communities, that they won't be able to get the resources and services they need. But then the long, long-standing concern is if if we force people to um, carry um, carry out that pregnancy, um, how do we make sure that we're providing the services and support that they need just to survive? And this has been a huge issue in Utah when you talk about health care coverage and just expanding Medicaid. So I have a lot of concerns, but most of all, just the message it sends to people uh, about um, whether they can um, be trusted because, you know, this should be a decision that I feel very strongly about between that individual and their health care provider. Yeah, you raised some really crucial parts of that uh, conversation. I want to dig into some of those. And uh, you, you mentioned the, the trigger law uh, here in the state of Utah and what uh, that might do. Are there any possibilities or are there discussions going on in terms of how you can uh, navigate some of those? You talked about some of the kind of the high hurdles uh, for someone who uh, might be a, a rape or an incest survivor uh, in terms of getting the help, or you talked about uh, some of the poorer uh, communities uh, and having that access. Are there discussions or conversations going on in terms of how do we make sure that uh, we're really protecting uh, all people across the spectrum uh, dealing with that process? 
we're starting to have those conversations. I know my colleague, Representative Bailey um, Provo, is going to run a bill um, for when it deals with rape and incest survivors that they don't have to file a police report. I don't know if that bill will be heard in committee. I don't know how far that bill will go, but that's, you know, starting those conversations. But also just, you know, talking with local nonprofits, I went to the Planned Parenthood rally and I was just, you know, I just wanted to get a feel for where the community was. And, and from what I could see, they felt strongly about this. They were very disappointed with the Supreme Court ruling, but also making sure that if somebody um, is in a situation that they, they receive the support and services they need, and that might be outside of the state of Utah. Um, my other big concern, like I said, is healthcare providers. And, you know, every situation is different. And so to look at abortion from just a just a singular lens, I think, is um, a deficit on our part of the state of Utah. And so um, my concern is also about a health care provider that could be put into a difficult situation. What's going to happen to them if, if something happens with that pregnancy and even if it was an abortion? So I want to make sure that um, we look at that as well. And I would like to, um, me personally, I filed a bill today to take away that um that criminal aspect taking away that second degree felony. And again, I don't know how far that bill will go, but I wanted people here in the state of Utah to know that many of us are um, are trying and not, not everyone in, in the state legislature um, agreed with the Supreme Court ruling or there are many of us will, um, there are some of us that voted against um, all the anti-abortion bills that have come um, before us in the last few years. Yeah, and, and I think uh, you, you also raised some of those things that are that are the upstream components as well. Obviously, the the healthcare providers that's a significant issue, and and I think that needs uh, to be heard and played all the way out. I, I think as we look at some of these uh, trigger laws and some of the things that begin to be implemented, uh, we have to look at some of the unintended consequences uh, to make sure we've totally factored all of those things in. Uh, you also mentioned just access to to healthcare, whether that's to contraception or to education. Uh, and th- that kind of support, that's also a conversation that I think often gets lost uh, in, uh, again, just the, the net result of a ruling. It, it, it definitely does. And, and, you know, a lot of times uh, we can talk about Medicaid expansion or how we as a state chose not to expand. I mean, we've done some limited expansion, but does it go far enough? There are so many kids here in the state of Utah that live in my zip code that qualify for CHIP, but their families don't sign them up for CHIP, whether that be because their families are mixed status where some um, mm. members of those um, those families are citizens and some are aspiring to be citizens. So it's very complex. And for me, um, I think what really impacted me most is when I went to a rally in Ogden and I met a gentleman there and he had his sister's death certificate. And his sister had um, gotten, uh, had an abortion before it was legal and he was carrying around this death certificate. And he told me, you know, my, my sister died before um, you know, Roe versus Wade, and she had children, and she was told by the state, and this didn't happen in Utah, but she was told by the state of California if she had another child that possibly her children would be taken away from her. So she made a decision to go have an abortion by someone who wasn't authorized to give an abortion, and she died. And that still impacts this man, and he's, you know, he served our country, and he, it still, he carries that with him, and her other children grew up with, without their mother because she made this decision because she felt it was the right thing to do because she wanted to make sure she could keep her children. So we don't, 
you know, again, we have to look at abortion and why people go for uh, why people get an abortion. For um, we can't just look at it through the um, religious lens. You know, um, we have to look at it as life circumstances for people. I, I had a former staffer who had to have an abortion because um, the fetus wasn't developing the way it should, and so she had to make that excruciating decision and she really wanted her child but she made that decision so again we we can't look at this through um uh, whether you're choosing um life over abortion it's much more complicated that than that and there's a lot of gray in there it's not black and white yeah uh, so many components to that uh, representative angela romero thanks for helping us get to the nuance of the the conversation and i think this is where we all can lean in a little different uh, and not just go to the corners uh, of the extremes on any of this but to have the the real conversation and and to get past the fake fights and the and the false choices uh, there are ways that we can have an and conversation uh, with so much of this. Uh, Representative Romero, as always, uh, we appreciate you coming on the show and appreciate your perspective and helping us get to the nuance. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Have a nice day. All right, and that's Representative Angela Romero. And uh, I, I do think it's so important that we really, really dig in uh, to all of the nuances uh, of what this is and, and what it means and what it means to value life, the life of the mother, and the life of the unborn child uh, and you can have an and conversation and there are there are ways to get to that and it leads and it should lead us to a host of other crucial conversations that we need to have uh, as a community uh, as a culture a society and of course as a country all right we're gonna step aside for one last commercial break when we come back in we're broadcasting live from our nation's capital washington dc today and tomorrow on inside sources when we come back i'll give you some thoughts from my week at the lake uh, always a great learning time for me going to pass along a couple of thoughts as we close out inside sources on a monday we'll be right back two years ago americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport there's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.